Well, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Happy Sunday. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. I know that so, so many of you have been just be anticipating the message today. I've been receiving messages, letting us know when is service starting, but I'll have you know that at Word of Faith Global Ministries this morning, the Holy Spirit was there. The Holy Spirit moves in our midst. You want to know why? Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Hallelujah. There is liberty. And we have the liberty to allow the Holy Spirit to flow in our midst. And to God be the glory for that. I'm just so grateful that the Holy Spirit visits us each and every time when we're open to receive what the Lord has for us. So I know that those of you that are in uh, church this morning, uh, you've just already been blessed by the worship, blessed by the welcoming uh, by Minister Orly. And uh, God bless you. And thank you for being in our midst this morning. And I just want to welcome those of you that are watching online. And perhaps you couldn't make it for one reason or another to church. We want to welcome you. We want to thank you for tuning in this morning and for uh, inviting us into your space. I want to start by saying that uh, we had a, such a, an amazing service last Sunday uh, at our church. Pastor gave a phenomenal, powerful, on-time message. And if you were not there, you missed out on what God did in our midst. I'm telling you, it was so powerful so powerful we we had uh we had the holy spirit show up during worship we had the holy spirit show up during the whole service and after and people came up and god prayed for and ministered to and delivered and it was powerful it was absolutely beautiful uh, I want to encourage you, if you didn't hear last week's message, please, please go into our website at wordoffaithglobal.org and listen to that message because it's going to bless you. I know it is because it's the word of the Lord. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to listen to it and I'm going to listen to it again. Hallelujah. Um, but so go ahead and go there to wordoffaithglobal.org. You can also go to our YouTube channel and all of these messages Share, share, share. If you're not subscribed to our YouTube channel, I highly encourage you to do so. You want to know why? Because if you click on that little bell and receive notifications so that you know when we're live, like now, you'll get a notification. And so many of you have been saying, where are we on? When are we on? If you register, if you subscribe to our YouTube channel and click on that, you'll be notified. So that's a really neat thing that YouTube has. Um, we began this month. I can't even believe that we're in the month of October. Can you? It's, it's incredible. Time has just flown this entire month. And it's just incredible to see how how uh how fast 2020 is is going and uh the 10th month already we've already entered into the fall months and it's it's absolutely mind-boggling to see how quickly we've gotten here but i want to um let you know that we've uh, started a new series this month the month of october 
and many of you have seen the actual artwork on that. It's just a beautiful time that we're going to be entering in, and it's entitled Keep Your Lamp Trimmed and Burning. Keep your lamp trimmed and burning. And I want us to go this morning right away to Matthew chapter number 25, and we are going to begin to dissect a little bit the parable of the 10 virgins and i i don't know about you but i am excited if you're if you're there at church to turn to someone next to you i know you all have your masks on but turn to the person next to you and say i am excited to what god has today praise the lord amen so turn to your bibles i'm going to read this morning from the nasb version and we're going to go into matthew chapter number 25 beginning in verse uh number one and we're going to go through verse 13 there i i tell you what if if i had the uh if i had the chance i would go through all of 24 and 25 many of you know that we've already been touching on chapter 24 uh now we're going into 25 i've been talking a bit about this as of late uh, so we're going to dive in this morning. And it says here, then this is Jesus all in red letters. Amen. So we need to pay very close attention to the fact that Jesus is speaking here. And he says, then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to 10 virgins. Everybody say 10 virgins. It says who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish. And five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the prudent took oil in flasks along with their lamps. I want you to begin to highlight and underline some of these verses that we're reading this morning. Look what number five, verse number five says. Now, while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. Verse number six says, but at midnight, everybody shout, but at midnight, but at midnight, at the midnight cry, there was a shout and it said, behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, no, there will not be enough for us and you two. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. Look what number uh, verse number 10 says. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feasts. Hallelujah. Watch what that second part of verse 10 says. And the door was shut. And the door was shut. Verse 11 says, Later the other virgins also came saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. And verse number 12 is a sobering thought because it says, But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Verse 13. 
Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. I'm going to repeat that verse again. Jesus says, be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we begin this message this morning. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray that as we read, as we study, and as we dive into this message today, that the fruit of your word, Father, will fall on the hearts of every single listener this morning. And that it would produce much fruit because we know that your word will never return void, God. So, Lord, may it ignite us in such a magnificent and powerful way that we will never walk the same again. That we will never see your word the same again. That your word would come so alive in our hearts and in our minds and in our spirit, man. That we will walk so faithfully and passionately after you, that our lives will never be the same, oh God. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name, that as this message goes out to the highways and byways and to all the parts of the world, Father, Lord, that people will be quickened to hear what the Spirit is telling us in these latter days. It is in Jesus' mighty and precious name that we pray and everyone says, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Keeping in mind that God uses earthly examples to explain spiritual truths. We talked about this in particular when we had the series on Grafted In, if you all remember, how God uses earthly examples to explain spiritual truths. And I love that about the Lord because it helps us to understand things a little bit better in the natural realm. But I want to direct your attention for just a moment this morning to the menorah. The menorah. I have with me the menorah that we purchased uh, about 20 years ago, 19 to 20 years ago, when we were in Israel. Uh, this is the menorah that we have here in our home. And I just want to bring this out so that you're all uh, familiar and you have uh, a, a visual so that you can understand this uh, a little bit better. But I want to I want to direct you to the menorah. This is what um, the typical uh, menorah would have looked like. Uh, there are some that curve in a different way, um, but all in all, it, it basically has the seven um, lampstands or candlesticks, I should say. So I wanted to kind of show you this. Isn't this absolutely beautiful? So. Uh, this is the menorah, and I want to direct your attention to that just for a moment. I also want to show you uh, two lamps that I have, just uh, little sizes, little different lamps. I've shown this before in our church. Um, this would have been um, maybe perhaps similar to what each of the lampstands uh, would have had maybe towards the top of it. If you see the wick here, and this is another one of the... Um, the uh, uh, 
uh, forms that we have in the, another different color, but this is uh, one of the lamp stands or oil lamps, if you will. And this would have been perhaps what the 10 virgins would have had uh, in their hands. So I wanted to do a little bit of a show and tell this morning so that we can better understand what we're looking at or what we're reading about today. So the golden lampstand or the menorah in the time of the temple uh, also referred to the candlestick. So many of you in your Bibles, you might have different virgin, versions where it might say candlesticks or lampstands or it doesn't say menorah, but we know it as menorah, but it will say lampstands or candlesticks. Uh, uh, that's, that's basically what it is, what I just showed you so that you can get a better perspective. But the golden lampstand in the menorah in the time of the temple served the purpose of providing lamp light in the holy place. And I've taught before on the uh, temple and the tabernacle, the tabernacle of Moses, the temple of Solomon later called the Herod's temple. And if you all remember, there uh, were a couple of compartments. There were several areas, if you will, but in the actual temple in and of itself there were two compartments and it consisted of the holy place this is where the menorah was together with the showbread uh, and i've taught this before and and the altar of incense those three articles were their furnishings and then past the uh veil uh, uh past the um um uh, the uh, uh the incense the the altar of incense past that was the holy of holies where the ark of the covenant was uh so i'm not going to go into all of that this morning because that's not what the message is about but i want to refresh your your memory and remind you as to where the menorah stood and that was in the holy place not the holy of holies but the holy place and the purpose of it was to provide light in the holy place now understand that trimming the lamp wicks to keep them burning brightly was a critical it was a critical and daily task of the priest this is very important for us to understand the menorah had to be cleaned every day, every day. Now, again, keep in mind about the earthly examples explaining spiritual truths here, okay? Uh, an interesting fact is that the light of the menorah only projected forward. Now, that, that's an interesting thought. It only projected forward. Uh, there was no shadow no shadow it, it's actually a mystery as to how this actually occurred uh physically speaking it this made no sense whatsoever again the spiritual implication here is that god only wants us looking forward and never backwards looking forward and never backwards hallelujah so the lampstand or menorah could never go out on the penalty of death, it could never go out. So this was a critical, a crucial uh, a duty and responsibility of the priest. So that meant that somebody had to be awake 24 seven. Uh, somebody always had to be awake to make sure there was oil in it and that the light never went out. Now each cup was filled with oil. 
and gold tweezers were used to remove the old wicks and then relight the new wicks for the light, okay? Now, the menorah, as you saw a moment ago, had seven branches that were required to remain lit by a supply of olive oil. Each lamp held about six eggs, if you will. If you were to put six eggs, that's how, how much uh, um, it, it had to have. So it, it, each lamp held about six eggs of measured oil enough for one day. So it, it wasn't enough to have it lit for a couple of days. No, only for one day. So imagine that. Think about that. Think about the implication here. It was believed to hold about half a pint of oil. I'm going to show you really quickly here on the screen a, a picture of a priest. And what he has is a, um, uh, he, he's, he's doing the task right here. Uh, we're going to try to show it here, there on your screen. I hope you can see that. And the priest is actually performing his duty uh, where he is lighting. He's putting the oil and he's lighting the menorah. And you don't see it in this picture because we had to enlarge it so that you can see it full screen. However, he's actually on three steps because the menorahs were so huge. Uh, this is actually a picture of the priests in the temple. They were so huge and so tall that the priests literally had to get on uh, uh, three steps uh, so that he can reach the top. And so that's a beautiful picture of what you see there of the, um, the priest uh, performing his daily uh, duty, his daily task of the um, of the lighting of the menorah. So I, I love to show pictures, and I love to give you a, um, some things for you to get a hold of, so you can understand it a little bit better. But that picture I absolutely love. Uh, but I want you to understand something uh, really interesting: is that although Solomon built the temple in the pattern of the tabernacle of Moses, because the pattern is, is the same, it just was obviously not a moving tent like in the days of Moses, that this was an actual structure, an actual, an actual building. And uh, one of these days, we really need to get into that lesson and that teaching again, because uh, we really do need to better understand uh, uh, tabernacle and temple days and what it actually uh, means. I would love to refresh that uh, for our church. But listen to what it is, is very interesting about this, because although he built, Solomon built the temple in the pattern of the, ta of the tabernacle of Moses, he actually increased the number of the sacred furniture used which included the menorah. So during the time of Solomon's temple, he constructed 10 golden menorahs or 10 golden lampstands, five to be placed on the left and five on the right of the holy place. So imagine, if you will, for a moment, the holy place in the, in the temple, and there were five golden structures, the lampstands, which were huge, as you saw in the picture, and the other five on the other side, another five menorahs. No one knows why Solomon chose to increase the number of the sacred furnishings to 10. But it's interesting to me to note, however, that in this parable that we just read on the ten, about the ten virgins, there were ten virgins. 
albeit five wise and five foolish. So that's an interesting parallel. There's also a correlation here as the menorah had to be taken care of and lit continually, continually. It had to remain lit 24-7. And so were the lamps in the parable of the ten virgins. They had to keep them trimmed and keep them with the oil. They had to have enough oil and they had to keep them lit because they did not know when the bridegroom would come back for them. So it is with us who've been received in the family of God. We must be diligent about our spiritual walk and relationship with God, being careful, ever so careful to keep our lamps trimmed and burning at all times. Amen. According to the expositor's Bible commentary, in Matthew 24, 42 through 44, Jesus warns of the unexpectedness of Messiah's coming. Then in Matthew 24, 50, uh, 45 through 51, Jesus shows that a more than passive watchfulness is required. You see, we ought to be watchful, not in a passive way, but we always have to be watchful. In the parable of the ten virgins, he stresses the need for preparedness in the face of an unexpectedly long delay. I'm going to repeat that. He stresses the need for preparedness in the parable here of the ten virgins in the face of an unexpectedly long delay. And how many of us can say that Jesus is Jesus is coming in soon, is soon? But we've been preaching that and we've been saying that for years on end. So there's almost, we can say, an unexpectedly long delay. But we still have to be prepared. But we still have to be ready. But we still have to be, spiritually speaking, having our lamps, our oil ready, our wicks trimmed. And we've got to be ready because he's coming at an unexpected time. He's coming at a moment where we do not even know. And he's coming in the twinkling of an eye. Hallelujah. So imagine if you will for a moment, you blink your eye and that's it. it it's almost not even a second, I think, uh, if you blink your eye. That's how Jesus is coming back for his bride. Hallelujah. So we know that Jesus is our bridegroom. And that's with a capital B. Amen. Jesus is our bridegroom. The 10 virgins are symbolic of the church worldwide. So you can raise your hand right there if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've actually asked Jesus to be the Lord and master of your life and you are walking for him every single day of your lives without wavering, you are part of the church worldwide. And you are, it is, the 10 virgins are symbolic of the church. So we need to understand that. Now, another thing that we need to comprehend here is that the Old Testament portrays God as the husband of his people, Israel, which in fact paves the way for Jesus as the messianic son of man to be pictured as the bridegroom. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Hallelujah. Now, in, in order... 
to better interpret Matthew 25, 1 through 15 that we, uh, through 13 that we just read, one has to study the traditions of a Jewish wedding, of a Jewish wedding, particularly that of the wedding feasts during Jesus's time. I want to take a moment uh, now to, uh, for a moment here to encourage you, if you have um, Prime on your um, account. Uh, there is a documentary that is absolutely powerful. We have recommended it to our church family as well, but write it down so you can watch it. You'll need to rent it, but it is on Prime and it is called Before the Wrath. Before the Wrath. It is a beautiful depiction of a wedding feast and it will enlighten you on the theory of the rapture and i so i encourage you to watch that it's a documentary and it's found on prime if you don't remember at the end of this just shoot us a message or ask someone there at church and they'll be able to tell you again the name is before the wrath again it's a documentary it's with jan markel and uh safar um uh, Amir, Amir Safardi and uh, some other uh, uh, men of faith, women of men of faith as well. But again, I remind you how God uses earthly examples to explain spiritual truths. So I want you to listen closely to the following. First, marriage consisted of two ceremonies. It's not like your typical uh, marriage, uh, modern day uh uh, wedding and, and, and things of that nature. It consisted, think, now I want you to put your thinking caps on and think back in Jesus's time, wedding uh, ceremonies and whatnot. So first, marriage actually consisted of two ceremonies on two separate occasions, okay? The first was the betro betrothal, betrothal, or a, or a formal engagement, if you will. It was a marriage contract, a marriage contract. And then the second was the actual wedding, which occurred at a later time. So you've got your, your first, which was the betrothal, which was a, a ceremony. And that was the marriage covenant right then and there. But the actual wedding ceremony did not occur until a later date. Now, listen, this is very interesting because at the betrothal, the, the bride became legally married, although she remained at her father's house until the day of the wedding feast, because the groom returned to his father's house to prepare a place for his bride. Isn't that a beautiful analogy right there? So if you recall, when Mary was visited by the angel to deliver the news that she would be pregnant with Jesus, Messiah, with the Messiah, it was during the time prior to the actual wedding ceremony. But she was already legally married to Joseph. That's why the angel uh, came to Joseph and says, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife because the actual wedding ceremony had not occurred. He had found out that she was pregnant during the time of the betrothal. You see? So during the engagement period, she belonged to her betrothed and could not, could not belong to any other man. That's why it, it, was, it was absolutely... Uh, 
a, a, an incredible news to have received, Joseph to have received that Mary was with child because she legally was his and she could be no others, no other man's. I want to give you uh, some more facts regarding the Jewish wedding analogy. Uh, and this is actually taken from Bible study, study tools um, uh, on the Jewish wedding analogy. I want you to think about, about it in the spiritual perspective. I, this, this is so eye-opening and so beautiful to, to understand. So I'm going to read a little bit here uh, for you. And it kind of goes with what I just mentioned a second ago. But Jewish marriage included a number of steps. We just talked about that first betrothal, which involved the prospective uh, grooms traveling from his father's house to the home of the prospective bride. Jesus left heaven to come down to earth. Hallelujah. Okay. Paying the purchase price. And thus, establishing the marriage covenant. Second, the groom's returning to his father's house, which meant remaining separate from his bride for about 12 months, during which time he prepared the living accommodations for his wife in his father's house. He went to prepare a place for us. Amen. Third, the groom's coming for his bride at a time not known exactly to her. Fourth, his return with her to the groom's father's house to consummate the marriage and to celebrate the wedding feast for the next seven days, during which the bride remained clo closeted in her bridal chamber. Hallelujah. There's so many beautiful implications here. And I want you to know that I'm bringing uh, pretty much, if you will, the second part of this message next Sunday. So I don't want you to miss this because I'm going through this Jewish wedding analogy with you. But we're going to go in a little, little bit deeper next week. So I'm plugging in not to miss next week. Amen. So first, the father of the groom the father of the groom made the arrangements for the marriage and paid the, pri the bride price. So the father pays the bride price, okay? The second step, which occurred a year or more after the first step, was the fetching of the bride. The fetching of the bride. The bridegroom would go to the home of the bride in order to bring her to his home. In connection with this step, two other things should be noted. First, it was the father of the groom whom determined the timing. It is our heavenly father who determines the timing, not Jesus the son. It's the father who determines the timing. It was so in the Jewish analogy of the wedding. It was the father who went ahead and said to the son, okay, it's time. Go fetch your bride. Isn't that spectacular? So second, prior to the grooms leaving to fetch the bride, he must already have a place prepared for her as their abode. So that 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 place had already had to have already taken place. That that 
that room, if you will, as the bridegroom went to the father's house because they would live in the father's house. The bridegroom actually went back to the father's house after this betrothal ceremony and began building a room in his father's house. Once that was completed, the father was the one to say, go fetch your bride. And he would go get his bride and bring her back to the father's house. Are you getting it? Are you picking up the spiritual connotation here? It goes on to say here, this was followed by the third step, the wedding ceremony. The bride underwent a ritual immersion of, for ritual cleansing. The fourth step, the marriage feast would, allow, would follow and could last for as many as seven days. Now, this is equivalent to the seven years of the seven-year tribulation. This is that parallel. So while the tribulation is happening here on earth, what is happening is that the church has been taken to the father's house by the bridegroom Jesus, and we are celebrating the marriage feast, the marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven. Many more people would be invited to the feast than were to the marriage ceremony. In the marriage of the Lamb, all four of these steps of the Jewish wedding ceremony are evident. Now, finally, here it says, at the time of our writing, the first step in the wedding has already taken place. The marriage covenant was established at the first coming of Christ. So the betrothal part, the first part I just mentioned, mentioned a moment ago, the betrothal, that marriage covenant, that marriage um, contract was established at the first coming of Christ. Whenever a person places their faith in Jesus Christ, they enter into this covenant, the new covenant, and become part of his bride. Since the ascension of Jesus following his resurrection, he has been at his father's house preparing the bridal chamber. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Isn't that a spectacular, spectacular analogy? So Christ will celebrate and consummate his marriage with his bride, the church, hallelujah, when he drinks with her from the final cup, the fourth cup of consummation. Remember when Jesus said at the last supper that he will not drink of this cup until the day, until that day when he drinks it new with us in his father's kingdom. You can find that scripture verse in Matthew 26, 29. This is the cup that he was referring to. Praise the name of the Lord. So that gives you a better perspective. So again, we know that there were 10 virgins in this parable. Five were foolish, five, uh, uh, and, the, and the, the other five were not. Five of them were ready, for, five of them had a spirit of preparation, and we're prepared, the others, not so much. I want you to listen very closely to this message today. Essentially, essentially, Jesus here 
reveals a shocking revelation. When he returns for his bride, the church, only half of the church will be prepared for his return. Only half of the church will be prepared for his return. In this prophetic parable, Jesus prophesied about the falling away of half the church. Now, that is that is something very sobering if you think about it. That's why we have to be watchful. And that's why we have to be prepared. Because I don't know about you out there, but I so much so want to be part of the five prudent and not the five foolish who were caught off guard and not prepared. Amen. When Jesus returns, remember at the twinkling of an eye, there will be no chance. There will not be an opportunity for us to go back and prepare like the foolish ones that didn't have enough oil to fill their lamps. They did not have a chance to go back and prepare. There won't be another chance to prepare. That door will be closed and you will not be able to enter in. Therefore, the five foolish will have to go through the tribulation period. So in this prophetic parable, Jesus prophesied about the falling away of half, half the church. That's alarming, ladies and gentlemen. That is an absolutely alarming statistic. In his book, Tipping Point, Pastor Jimmy Evans says the following. Ships at sea used to have certain sailors assigned to trim lamps. That means they maintained the oil lights as a full-time job. When the lamps are a ship's only source of light at night, keeping them in working order is critical. The five wise virgins have been maintaining their lamps and they will be ready when the bridegroom returns. However, the other half of the church will be caught off guard. They won't see or recognize the Lord when he returns. Jesus is saying that half of the people who identify themselves as his followers won't even know him when he comes back. Wow. That is very alarming. That is very alarming. Notice in verse 5 of Matthew 25 that as the bridegroom was delaying, all they all got drowsy and fell asleep. They all got drowsy and fell asleep because the bridegroom was taking his time. The bridegroom was delaying and they didn't know when he was coming. So they all got drowsy and fell asleep. How many of you here like it when you have to wait for something? For example, if you're sitting at the doctor's office or you're waiting in line for an extended period of time, I don't know about you, but I get antsy having to wait and wait and wait. Uh, but isn't it interesting how our bodies and our minds react when we're waiting a long time? When we have to sit there and wait, uh, we get bored, right? We begin to yawn. Sooner or later, our eyes become a bit heavy. 
And before you know it, we begin to nod off. So the same can be true, spiritually speaking, when we are waiting on the Lord's return. We can, we can get busy with life. We can get preoccupied with the things and the cares of this world. We can get so bogged down and so heavy burdened with so many things that are happening around us, be that in our family, be that with challenges that we're facing, maybe news that we've been receiving, or maybe it's a struggle that we're having with our family members or financially or job-wise or whatever that may be, but we are so burdened and we are so overtaken by the things of this world that we we get to a place where we kind of disconnect from the things of God as we are waiting for his return. That is why it's so important for us uh, to be alert, for us to be trimming our lamps, if you will, and keeping that oil uh, continuously in our lamps, keeping uh, ourselves with the power of the Holy Spirit uh, in, in our lamps as we continue to uh, uh, spend time with, with the Lord, as we continue to commune together as brothers and sisters in church. Uh, as we continue to um, abide in Christ, as we uh, continue in our lifetime, regardless of the situations and things that we face, uh, and yes, they can be burdensome sometimes with what we face in our lifetime, but we continue to allow the Holy Spirit to pour into our lamps, to pour into us, and we're constantly, constantly self checking and self-correcting ourselves, trimming that lamp, I mean, uh, that wick, if you will, uh, constantly self-checking, repenting, uh, doing a turnaround, making the changes that you know you need to make because the Holy Spirit is, is, is uh, confirming several things in your life that you need to change in order for your lamp to be filled with oil and for that wick to be continuously trimmed. Because if you've got it ready, if you are ready, when the Lord's return, you will be one of the five prudent virgins that will go with Jesus upon his return when he comes to fetch his bride. Hallelujah. Do you understand what this means. This is critical. This is crucial for our walk to understand this parable because it has significant meaning. Hallelujah. So if we're not conscientiously alert in our surroundings, we can easily check out and become drowsy. We can be bogged down by the things of this world. So we have to be on the alert. And I'm telling you right now that Jesus in chapter 24, we've talked about it before, how he is telling us, watch the signs, be watchful, be ready, watch the signs of the times. Pastor talked about it last Sunday. You've got to hear that message because we ought to be watchful of the times and the seasons that we are living in. The things that are happening in our nation, the things that are happening in this world, we must be, if we are followers of Jesus Christ and we know his word, the end times 
are drawing near. The, 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 the time of the end is drawing near. The end of what? The end of the world? No. The end of the dispensation of the grace of God, wherein the next pivotal event that will take place is the rapture of the church, where those five prudent churches, those 50% of the church, the brides will go with Christ to be with him as he has prepared a place for us in the Father's house, amen, in heaven. And during the seven-year tribulation, people will be here on this earth. So we have to understand, going through the tribulation, mind you, and that's when the, uh, uh, when the Antichrist will be revealed. And, and, and we've talked about this, ladies and gentlemen. We've preached on this. We'll continue to do so because the time is drawing very near. Very near. This is why the Lord has placed these messages lately in our hearts to share with our church, to share with the world. Hallelujah. So the connection I'm making here is that in our relationship with God, one must remain purposeful and alert at all times. I repeat, at all times, lest we find ourselves dozing off, spiritually speaking. And how do you doze off? Well, again, you allow the things of this world to pull you in that direction, in the direction of the world. And so one day, missing church becomes five. And then 10, and then before you know it, you haven't seen your brothers and sisters in, our, in your fellowship together for months on end. And you come back and it feels weird because you haven't been together with your brothers and sisters. It's a long extended time. And so what we need to do is we need to continually fellowship together. The Bible says in Hebrews, do not forsake the assembling together. That's pivotal that's vital that's crucial for our walk with the lord the same is true with spending time in the word each and every day spending time in prayer with the lord allowing god allowing the holy spirit to speak to you especially in this time that we're living in so if you go about your daily walk and your daily life and and you don't spend time with god and you don't commune with your brothers and sisters we we open up our church Several times, we've got Friday night of prayer at 7 p.m. every single Friday. And, and many come to our church and they have a time of worship and a, and a time of prayer. And, and men's group on Tuesdays and women when we meet uh, the last Thursday of every month. And there's a Spanish group uh, on Mondays as well. There are things that are happening in, in church and we need to commune because we need that. And God knew that we needed that, so he points it out in his holy word. But we need to be watchful and prepared at all times. We need to spend time with the Father. In Matthew 24, 42, and also in 25, 13, Jesus is telling the audience to be on the alert. I cannot stress that enough. Be on the alert. He says, watch therefore. Because we don't know which day the Lord is coming. We do not know. I want to read you something here on uh, from, this is a book entitled The Temple, Its Ministry and Services. It's by Alfred Edersheim. 
And I want to read this briefly to you for a moment. It's talking about the night watches. It says, but already the night watches had been set in the temple. By day and night, it was the duty of the Levites to keep guard at the gates to prevent so far as possible the unclean from entering. Listen to this. To them, the duties of the temple police were also entrusted under the command of an official known to us in the New Testament as, they, as the captain of the temple. You can find that in Acts 4.1, etc. But in Jewish writings, chiefly as the man of the temple mount. The office must have been of considerable responsibility considering the multitude on feast days. Imagine the feast days, there were multitudes and thousands upon thousands of people that, were, that would go up to Jerusalem on feast days. And it says their keen national susceptibilities and the close proximity of the hated Romans in Fort Anto Antonia. At night guards, at night, guards were placed in 24 stations about the gates and courts. This is interesting. Of these 21, of these 21 were occupied by Levites alone, the Levitical priests alone. The other innermost three jointly by priests and Levites. Each guard consisted of 10 men, so that in all, 240 Levites and 30 priests were on duty every night. This is about this is talking about the night watches. This is this is talking about being watchful at all times and this is why Jesus refers to watch therefore. So they understood what Jesus was referring to when he said watch therefore. It was a constant constant watching, a constant uh, uh, being on the alert. It goes on to say here quickly, the temple guards were relieved by day, but not during the night, which the Romans divided into four, but the Jews properly into three watches, the fourth being really the morning watch. Compare Matthew 14, 25. Hence, when the Lord said, blessed are those servants whom the Lord when he cometh, shall find watching, he expressly refers to the second and third watches as those deep, uh, those of deepest sleep. And in, in actually in Luke 12, 38, it says, it will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, ready, even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night. Very interesting. It goes on to say here that during the night, the captain of the temple made his rounds. On his approach, the guards had to rise and salute him in a particular manner. Any guard found asleep when on duty was beaten. Can you imagine? Any guard found asleep when on duty uh, when on duty was beaten or his garments were set on fire. I mentioned this some months back uh, because this was actually a punishment, as we know, actually awarded. So hence the abomination, I'm, I'm sorry, the admonition to us who, as it were, 
are here on temple guard. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments. Uh, I referred to this in Revelation 16, 15 some time ago. And lastly, I want to I want to point this out because I want you to understand here the correlation of why Jesus is so adamant about saying, watch, watch, be on the alert, watch therefore. It says here lastly, the priest whose duty is to superintend the arrangements might any moment knock at the door and demand entrance. He came suddenly and unexpectedly. Isn't that interesting? He came suddenly and unexpectedly. No one knew when. So here were the Levitical priests. Here were the other priests. They were keeping watch, but they didn't know when the superintendent or the temple guard, the temple captain was about to come. They had to be so watchful because if not, on the penalty of death of their sleeping and, and, and beginning to get drowsy, they could be killed or their garments could be set on fire. Can you imagine? So no one knew, knew when. He goes on to say here that the rabbis use almost the very words in which scripture describes the unexpected coming of the master. And that's found in Mark 13, 35 where it says, therefore keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. When they say sometimes he came at the, at the cock crowing, sometimes a little earlier, sometimes a little later. He came and knocked and they opened to him. Then he said unto them, all ye have washed, come and cast lots. Isn't that, isn't that an incredible correlation? I had to read that to you because of, as I studied this, I thought, man, God is such a God of purpose. He's so purposeful in his wording and he's so purposeful in his message. I find that to be absolutely revealing. So do you see that, how it all comes together? We must be watchful. We have to be as the wise virgins. We have to be prudent. They were prudent. And I don't know about you, but I like that word. I like the word prudent. And the definition of that is acting with or showing care and thought for the future. Showing care and thought for the future. This is what these prudent, why, this is what the word prudent of these prudent brides meant. They were showing care and thought for the future. That meant that they kept their lamps trimmed and burning. That means they kept their lamp with oil. The, the thought of that they showed care and thought for the future reminds me of what we talked about at the beginning of the message where the menorah, the lights of the menorah pointed forward, not backwards. Forward, they lit forward, looking for the redemption, looking towards the future and not behind, looking ahead and not backwards. Hallelujah. And that's the depiction of these five prudent wives, but five prudent bridegroom brides. Hallelujah. It doesn't just mean that they were wise. These five wise virgins were thoughtful about the future. Therefore, they had a spirit of preparedness. And yes, 
a spirit of expectancy, looking up, looking ahead. The bridegroom is coming any moment. Let's stay on the alert. Let's stay dressed. Let's stay ready. Let's stay with our lamps trimmed. Let's stay with our wick trimmed, our oil inside our lamp. Let's 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 hold it nice and dear because when our bridegroom shouts, when there's a shout, the shout of the last trump saying the bridegroom cometh, we'll be ready. We'll be ready. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is exciting to, to me. This is so exciting to me. They knew, they knew the bridegroom would be returning for them. They knew because he gave them his word. They were watchful and they were ready. This is what Jesus was describing. Jesus is our bridegroom and he is returning for us, the church, his bride. You know, the other day we visited the Billy Graham Library. We took a little tour that we visited before. It's absolutely beautiful. If you ever get a chance to uh, go to North Carolina, you can visit Billy Graham's library there. It's, it's a beautiful depiction of his life and his ministry and how God used this one man to witness and to touch the entire world. It was absolutely beautiful. But I heard an interview that he had many, many years ago, and he was asked about Jesus returning. And the person actually made a comment to him about uh, saying that a hundred years ago, this same message was being preached, that a hundred years ago, there could have been another Billy Graham. And, and uh, that the same message was being preached about Jesus returning. And Billy Graham's reply was that we had to be watchful of the times regardless because Jesus is returning. Jesus is returning. So you see, we are his. We belong to him. The dowry God paid for us was his only begotten son. That was the dowry that was paid. That was a great price to pay. God loved us so much that he gave. He gave us Jesus as the price for us to be his bride. Can I get an amen to that? And I don't know about you, but you should be hooping and hollering right there where you're at about this fact. Hallelujah. The church, ladies and gentlemen, is betrothed to Christ. We are his and we cannot be any others. We are his. We are his betrothed. Hallelujah. Don't you understand? He's gone back to the Father and has prepared a place for us that where he is, we will also be. Jesus promises that in John. Right? He, it, it's so magnificent because you know that Jesus will never go back on his word. Hallelujah. So this is a sure promise and it's magnificent news. But here's the warning. Will you be caught off guard, unprepared, without your lamps trimmed and burning? Don't let his delay catch you asleep. 
in the process of falling away or ill-prepared. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got to run this race and finish it well, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we gave a message about the crowns that await us at the judgment seat of Christ. I encourage you to listen to that message. You were encouraged to run this race well and finish it until the Lord's return. Hallelujah. Do not be caught off guard. Do not be like the five foolish virgins or half of the church who didn't make it in, who don't make it in. The door was shut and could not be reopened, just like in the days of Noah. It is absolutely detrimental to think about Jesus saying that he never knew you. And that's what these scriptures, the scripture says. I will make sure to do everything in my power that I need to do in order to enter into the bridegroom's chamber on that day the day when he returns for me and that we preach and that we teach the uncompromised word of god to as many people as possible to get people ready for the return of jesus christ because it is imminent it is soon how about you what are you doing with your life are you on the alert are you constantly on the alert? Are you listening to the Holy Spirit's voice in your inner man? Are you following the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life? Are you watchful of the times and of the seasons? Because he speaks to us in the midst of that, in the midst of it all. Are you being watchful for his return? Let me tell you, the Lord speaks to us in many ways, in many ways. And many of the ways that he speaks to us that we should know and be aware of. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. The happenings, the things that are happening in Israel, in the Middle East are vital. Christians should be um, informed of the things that are happening there. Because they point to, they, it, is, it is ground zero to the signs of the times. The Lord also speaks to us with the signs in the heavenlies. If you remember some years back, we had the tetrads, the, the uh, blood moons. The Lord is speaking. The Lord is saying some things. The Lord is having us be watchful and aware of the times and of the seasons. It's going to come. He's returning at a day and hour that we do not know, but we do we can tell the signs and the seasons. Will he find you faithful? Will he? Our prayer for you is like that of the one that Paul prayed over the believers in Philippi. We tell our church we pray this all the time for them. Philippians 1, 9 through 10 says, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment that you may approve the things that are excellent that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of christ and that of luke 21 36 which is a daily prayer a daily nightly prayer for me that we would watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy 
worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. Where do you find yourself today? Are you being watchful? If Jesus were to return today for his spotless bride, would you consider yourself ready to go with him? Ask yourself that question this morning. Will you be ready to go with him? Some of you may be watching this morning and you may not have made a commitment to follow Jesus, to make Jesus the Lord of your life and the master of your life and the savior of your soul, your redeemer. And if that's you this morning, I would love for you right there where you're at. If you're a church, if you're watching live stream, wherever it is that you're at, if you today want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and become part of this church family, that when he returns, that you'll be part of the five prudent brides. And you want to make that prayer, say that prayer. I want you to raise your hand right there where you're at. And I want you to repeat this after me. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, I invite you into my heart and into my life. I make you the master and savior of my life. Forgive me of my sins, for they are many. I repent and I turn around and I decide to follow you every day of my life. Holy Spirit, show me God's word. Help me to understand it and help me to run after Jesus every day of my life. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time, you are welcomed into the family of God. And I'll have you know that the angels in heaven are rejoicing because you made that prayer for the first time. Glory to God. So if you're there at church, you can just make uh, a loud noise and celebrate together with those in heaven. Hallelujah. For those that made a commitment of faith. Now I'm speaking to the church family. I'm speaking to the bride of Christ. Are you ready to meet the Lord in the air upon his return for the bride? And if you feel for any reason that you're not completely ready, because there are some things that you need to change in your life, would you say this prayer with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, I repent. I repent of following my own will and my own ways. And I want to run passionately after you from this day forward. Say, Father, I want to be like those five prudent brides. I want to be wise. And I want to have my lamp trimmed and full of oil, ready for your return. Help me, Holy Spirit. Help me to run passionately after God every day of my life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. And if you said that prayer, I'm telling you right now, plug into your church. If you're in the city of Miami or, or Broward, come and visit us at Miami Springs. At Miami Springs, at Word of Faith Global Ministries, we're in the city of Miami Springs, not very far from uh, Miami International Airport. Come, our services start at 10 in the morning. Visit us, amen. And, and if you're there at church, I praise God. I know that um, Minister Ordi is going to be coming in a few minutes and closing off the service, and he's going to ask if you need prayer. Amen. But I want you not to forget to join us 
next week on this series, this uh, next Sunday. So don't miss service. Service begins at our church at 10 in the morning. We are open. Everyone is wearing their masks and keeping uh, socially distant. Praise God. But I don't want you to forget that we meet Mondays at 7 p.m. for our Spanish group via Zoom, uh, led by Martha Avila. You can get more information there in our website. Uh, Tuesdays at 7 p.m., the men get together at our church in Miami Springs for a time of study, fellowship, and prayer. And I'm telling you, men, if you are not going to men's group, you are missing out. Get accountable. Get plugged in. At 7 p.m. every single Tuesday night. Can I get an amen to that? Wednesdays we have live stream uh, here. So you got to tune in at 8 p.m. live stream. And I am just telling you that this coming Wednesday, I am super excited about what's happening this Wednesday. So put it in your reminder. Put it in your calendar. Not to miss live stream this coming Wednesday. It's a surprise. I'm not going to share what it is. And on Fridays, like I said before, uh, 7 p.m. prayer uh, and worship gathering the at church as well in Miami Springs, Florida at 7 p.m. Uh, last uh, Thursday of each month, our women get together at church as well at 7 p.m. Don't miss that. At this time, I know that Minister Ordi is going to get ready to come up and pray for those in our Miami Springs location as we close. I want you to let I want to let you know that Pastor and I love you, and we are praying for you. And we say, God bless you. Shalom. The peace of God be with you always. God bless you. And we will see you next week.